0: Good day, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of uh, The Effect Podcast. As good a place as any to take your first steps to heaven. I'm Dave.
1: And I'm Matthew. And uh, we've got a slightly different format of the programme today. Uh, we
0: have. We've got, we're have got. we not doing any work at all today. No,
1: no, no. We've, we've taken time <laughs> off. In fact, we have had the weekend off, haven't we, uh, last weekend. We have. We um, and we've, we've got uh, a whole bunch of people around the world to do the work for us. Um, <laughs> but before we get on to them, uh, we will be, of course, uh, saying thank you to our patrons. We've got a couple of new patrons we need to say thank you to. And also talking a little bit about the world of gaming. And most of that is going to be about Dragon Meat, which is now only a week away. Are you excited, Indeed.
0: Dave? Indeed. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, I am very excited. The only reason I hesitated slightly is that I've got the most manic week at work next week. It's probably the busiest week I've had in years. So, oh god, <laughs> just trying to get my get my brain beyond that to uh, to Dragon Me. But yes, I am. I am really looking forward to Dragon Me, and uh, I'll tell you all why when we come to World of Gaming, I guess.
1: Yes, we'll t- we'll talk about a bit about that later, and then the rest of the program is dedicated to. All the people that have now got a new shiny copy of Alien in their hands, and particularly Uh those among you who may be new to role playing. Now, a couple of episodes ago, Dave, uh, you did a kind of uh, nine top tips for new GMs (laughs) experiencing. Wasn't it like
0: 13 top tips or something? No, I think it was only
1: nine. I I, I tried to go up to 10.
0: I've completely forgotten what they were, actually. If it was
1: 13, we would have called it a baker's dozen of top tips. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes to people that want to hear your top tips. And you see, I've cleverly got out of this. I'm not going to offer any top tips here. What I've done instead <laughs> is interviewed a number of people from the podcasting and gaming world around the world, literally. Uh, people from America, people from here. We've got one of the uh, GMs who's going to be running alien at dragon meat as well talking about what he's learnt, uh, cracking it open for the first time and having a practice yep. game so we've got a number of people that are going to give you your top tips for being an alien gm particularly if you're new to the whole idea of role-playing games
0: indeed and
1: that's Excellent. the content really that's everything we're doing in this episode yeah easy peasy but before we get on to that, let's say thank you to two of our patrons. Actually, one of these patrons, I notice, is also going to be another one of the GMs that's running Alien at Dragon Meat, and that's Jonathan Pay. And also we've got Neil of Paladin Gaming. Both cool. of them became patrons last month. So thank you, both of you, for supporting the show. Your support means so much more to us than the money itself
0: absolutely completely but 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 don't don't not give us the money though as well of course
1: yeah we also like the money the, <laughs> money, the, the money pays the bills keeps us going um, and
0: uh... but yes thank you yeah as Matt said your support is um not only uh, enormously welcome but it's um it's quite humbling that and flattering that um people out there want to support us and, and have us do more of this kind of stuff which is brilliant and whilst people want us to do that we will do that So, uh, because I think we love it just as much as uh, we love getting nice feedback as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, actually, I just want to do a segue. This is a really uncomfortable segue because I'm slightly forcing the issue, but I'm going to force it into the world of gaming and Dragon Meat. One of the things that our patrons have enabled us to do is print a whole bunch of stickers that I thought might be fun (laughs) to give to Alien and other Free League, um, yeah, Zero System Uh, GMs at Dragon Meat so if you're running a free league game come and see us at the free league stand and we'll give you uh, five or six of these stickers and they're achievement unlock stickers for people that roll a whole bunch of dice and push a whole bunch of dice and yet still fail
0: (laughs) which I think every player uh, of a free league game knows that feeling at some time or another for sure Yeah,
1: yeah and it can be particularly if you're new to the system it can be a really sinking feeling. We wouldn't want to put it off. We w- wouldn't want that that moment to put you off playing uh, Yeah zero engine games. So a lovely sticker to celebrate actually what's quite an achievement <laughs> of failure.
0: Yes, to take the edge off the pain. Yes. yes. Uh, so that's a little bit. So we're, <laughs> yeah. we're
1: now talking about Dragon Meat. So what else have we got to say about Dragon Meat?
0: Well, we are Free League at Dragon Meat. So we are manning the stall, the, the Free League stall, which is in Trade Hall 2. Uh, I think we've got our location now, which is um, stall 5 and 6 in Trade Hall 2. And so Matt and I are going to be representing Free League, selling alien games, selling Alien, um, you know, additional stuff, dice and, and, and so forth. But also having a pretty good stock of... Uh, all of Free League's other key games. So we'll have um, Coriolis, um, Things from the Flood, Tales of the Loop, Simber Room. Um, so come along and buy it all up. So, uh, you know, test test mine and Matthew's salesmanship skills. Um, I feel like I'm kind of going on to The Apprentice a little bit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. So we'll be running that. We're going to have some Able help from... Uh, not only my brother Tony, but my son Morgan, who are going to come along and help help out as well. And of and course, Morgan, Morgan is, also, is
1: running yet another. He is uh, version of Alien at, uh, as a GM. I think all those shows that we know about are, or sorry, all those games that we know about are also booked up in advance, um, aren't it they? It looks
0: very much like that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I I never saw Morgan's game actually on the list for signups and it was phil who um who's going to give be give uh, top tips later on it was phil that mentioned that it looks like when the the slots are full they fall off the list so you can't see them
1: so
2: he, I, I i think, think there's two morgan, lists morgan's but uh, morgan's
1: so on the booking
0: list
2: yeah, so they disappear yeah. off
1: that but he morgan yep. is on the other list which is just a long list of games that are being played i've seen that
0: exactly yeah 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 yeah, so he's still on there, so he's still doing it. So it looks like the the Alien games got booked up pretty quickly because I looked at that booking website not too late on after it was um, it was opened, and Morgan's already wasn't on there. Yeah. So, uh, so it's great. It's great that there's such interest in uh, in Alien, and um, yeah, I mean that's brilliant. The the other thing, I mean, there's, I mean actually, this Dragon Meat is a absolutely packed packed program for us
3: um, <laughs> we might be quite not only
0: okay eh? <laughs> it's gonna be we're gonna need some beer aren't we, I think, <laughs> aren't we? To, to, to recover from all of this oh right so, so i only, suggest
1: we meet at the bar at six o'clock dave to have a beer how about that
0: <laughs> well i might be there at seven uh-huh. well, and you'll have to be there at seven because the hall is open until seven <laughs> okay. so you'll be trading whilst i'm uh, whilst i'm doing something else at six o'clock what are you doing so at six o'clock dave well, I'm delighted to have been invited by our friend Chris Handley of Darker Days Radio we'll put to a link in his to um, his um, hearts racing panel discussion about horror role playing games and mm-hmm. how you can well how you can maximise the horror effect and things that you want to think about in running horror games. Uh, and I'm not the only person there. I'm delighted to have been there as uh, a, a freelancer for Free League, having um, you and I both. Got the credit for Hope's last day. Um, I love the I'm way you say you and I
1: both got the credit. It sounds a lot like you're saying I did all the work.
0: <laughs> well, I did do most of it, <laughs> but it wasn't entirely. Absolutely, Mike. You was, did do a lot a of the effort. typing.
1: I I'll, I'll grant you that for the final version.
0: <laughs> this was a joint effort <laughs> of the three of the three scenarios. Yeah. Uh, of the three, they chose one of the ones that I'd written. <laughs> yes. But um there is there is about a paragraph of your writing in there. So I, I tied it up your grammar and then <laughs> left it in. So uh, but now this is a, this is an effect um endeavour. The fact that I've done sort of more of the legwork on it than Matt is neither here nor there. It's a it's, uh, it's seriously a joint it's effort.
1: neither here nor there. it's a joint yeah. effort. Uh, so you're gonna be That's talking exactly about that, saying. I guess, and um Yes. Uh painting me and obviously they'll, they'll is be... your imaginative muse. Uh, um what else are you gonna be talking about in the panel? <laughs>
0: Um, well, we've got uh, there's there's a there's a good range of some much more experienced horror game writers um, coming along as well. So uh, I'm not certain of the exact final lineup yet, so I won't say any of the names just in case we're getting them wrong at this point. But it's going to be a pretty good lineup of um, both sort of very experienced professionals in um, the role playing community and industry and bank amateurs really, like you. And strong track record of <laughs> writing, and there'll be there'll be newcomers to the industry, although bringing forty years of role playing experience like me.
1: Right, gotcha,
0: <laughs> gotcha. So uh, yeah, it should be great. So six o'clock. Uh, it's called Hearts Racing. I'm not sure exactly where in the Novotel it's going to be held, but if you're interested, keep your eyes open. Come along, and that'll be absolutely brilliant uh, to get a really good audience there to to throw questions at the, the panel. The other thing to bear in mind, uh, just to say is, you know, delighted, both Matt and I are delighted to have been involved in the alien RPG and getting that up, up and running and, and some of the writing. So if you want to talk about any of, uh, any of the book or any of the writing, or in particular, the scenario hopes last day, or some of the stuff about the xenomorphs, which I contributed some writing to come along and find us. Matt and I would be more than happy to talk our heads off. Um, about uh, you know about Alien about some of the other things that we we had to cut out of the scenario because yes. of um, there were there was a limit and we had loads of stuff we could have put in but but there was a uh, there was a clear um, a clear limit on how far we could go.
1: Let's so face it, the only reason that. our scenario is in the book is because it was short, and even then <laughs> they made us make it shorter. Let's be really frank. <laughs> well, yes.
3: yes, I mean it was good so as
1: well as short, but the big issue is they couldn't fit. Charity of the gods into the book. Uh, once said, no. once I told, right. you know, laid out all the rest of the content. So uh, we're honoured. We're still honoured, and it, we're, we're very pleased. Absolutely, yeah. But it is a and, short yeah,
0: scenario. We were we were lucky on on a, on a, on a, a wide range of fronts to um, not only have been in the position to help them out um, in that situation, but also to have been in the position to help them out for the UK Games Expo where we ran the scenarios there. And as a result of that, I'd written the first version of the Xenomorph XX121 rules for that. Um, So all of that was just really lucky all the planets aligned. And then they had a problem because they had so much good stuff they wanted to put in the book. Suddenly, Chariots of the Gods was too long. So that became a separate publication. And then they needed a scenario. And Hope's Last Day is what what we managed to work up that's um, exactly the sort of anecdote we
1: could be telling people at the stall but they won't want to know that now because they've listened to
0: us (laughs) well you know some people might fall asleep halfway through some of our conversations because we do bang on a bit
1: well i was going to say you know you were saying we'll be happy to talk about it i think people who listen to our podcast know that we are very happy to talk about all free league games (laughs) that's true yeah (laughs) Once, at least twice a month, for an hour or more. So, uh, so come and join us. Um, what yeah. would what not be go- One of the big changes, I think, from when we last spoke about Dragon Meat, is we thought we were going to be handing out copies of Alien to some of the pre-order customers.
0: That's right. Yeah. And that's not happening now. No, that's
1: not happening. Nothing to do with us. It's the fact that by accident, they all got sent their copies of Alien anyway. Um, so yes. Hooray! You know, they've all got them early, and I think they're very pleased to find them early, Um, but uh, they won't be coming to pick them up. I think, actually, uh, Thomas has told us about one customer who's got a damaged copy, and he said that that chap can pick up a um, a new version from us.
0: Yeah. Um, The other thing we've got planned, if if all of that wasn't enough, (laughs) uh, is the Grindbone tournament, Grindbone 2183. Now, Matthew... You're doing all the work on this. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it?
1: Well, yeah, I'm doing all the pre-work. You're going to be running it because you are the best for a GM, as we've already decided. (laughs) Um...
0: So I'll edit the word. Ho- I'll edit the word horror out there when we do the do the. Uh, do the edit <laughs> <of this. laughs> I'm doing the edit on this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> damn, damn. Uh, but nice. uh, yeah, we I talked about it um, an episode or so ago. We talked about the location, which is Grindbone, and it's inspired by the successful competition we did at the last Dragon Meet, uh, which is a one-on-one player versus player competition. Um, we're not strictly, I realise, of course, obeying the player versus player rules of um, of Alien.
0: Well, I think it's up to the players in this in this situation because actually knowing that um, in the rounds two of them are going to survive, if um,
1: yeah, if they want to, if, if they want if, to gang up on the others, they can. Is that what you're saying?
0: It becomes it, it exactly. It, it becomes a bit more like battle royale meets alien. Yes. Uh which so, is absolutely fine, you know, which is a, which is potentially uh a good thing, but then that's going to be risky because you might turn on one of the players and then they might actually kill you instead. Yes.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. So, I'm, I'm 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 really keen for this one. You're going to be prisoners uh like you were in Grindbone last year and you're going to be encouraged to fight each other like you were in Grindbone last year. This time the prison is in 2183. And on top of the weapons that are scattered around for you to find and kill each other with, there will also be aliens who are going to try and kill all of you. So it's going to be fun. (laughs) It's going to be fun for you as a GM, Dave. It's going to be short. Absolutely, yeah. Given that, as we've already discussed, it looks like all the pre-booked Alien games are sold out. Uh, If you turn up on the day looking for a game, come and see us at the Free League stand, and there will be 15 spaces Which will go very quickly, so come and see us early. They will. Uh, And what we'll do is we will have have you fighting each other in three rounds of five, of which the last two survivors out of each group of five will go on to a final, of which there'll be six of you, and the last survivor in that final will win a copy of the Alien RPG.
0: The limited edition Alien RPG.
1: As long as it gets sent from Sweden, because they've run out of a limited edition at Games Quest.
0: They're sending it to me, so we should have that.
1: Brilliant. Um, uh, What was I going to say? So, yes, it's an opportunity to play Alien. Not really a proper cinematic scenario. And it's could be a very short opportunity to play Alien you may survive mere minutes that's going to be from 12.30 till 2.30 for all four rounds so Dave is going to be making sure people die pretty quickly
0: yeah well it's um, as long as you come into the game recognising that your game might last less than five minutes or it might last two hours if you win uh, two hours one hour if you win win two rounds then um, that's fine so uh, just be ready to, to die <laughs> mercilessly um, if, it, if it happens. And this was the same as we had last year with the Forbidden Lands Grindbone tournament. And everyone took it all in the spirit that uh, it was intended and had a great time. Even those that, I mean, there was one character in one round who died before they even got to do any ha- action.
1: Yes,
4: there was a <laughs> slightly
1: wobbly bottom lip on that. On that pile,
0: <laughs> you which is fair enough, which is fair enough. Um, but then every other every other death, uh, sudden and uh, merciless as they were, was all taken uh, with, uh, In with, good with, with 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 yes. great spirit. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's all a bit of fun, with a with a slight chance of winning a really really nice book at the end of it.
1: Now, given that we've been talking for uh, by my count 18 minutes already, we should move on. Uh, there's just a couple yeah. of other bits of World of Gaming news. I think we should say. Yep. Yep. One is we're coming down to the last few days of the Vason Kickstarter. Yeah, that's so right. So If you want to be in at the very beginning of uh, free League's latest game, uh, Veson, then um, then yeah, get get the to Kickstarter quickly and sign up for that.
0: Yeah. and that's a that's a sort of gothic horror based on Swedish and Scandinavian folklore uh, yeah style game.
1: I sent off to Sweden to actually get a copy of the book upon which it's based Ah, and it's very, very pretty. I'm comparing it as I was reading the the original art book upon which the game will be based. In my head, I'm also thinking about a game I think I talked about in World of Gaming a few Mm, months ago called Liminal, which is a modern day investigating fairies type game, but this is set in the Mm. 19th century, as you said.
0: Yeah, it should be good, should be good.
1: And just for our Swedish listeners here, um, there's also a re-release coming out of uh, Free League and that is, I think, my translation of Swedish mm-hmm. is Mutant Heirs yeah. of Apocalypse, which is one of the early Mutant brand games that was actually uh, published in in its second edition, I think, by Jan Ringen, who, of course, have now come back into the Free League fold, and so it's given them the opportunity to Mm. republish it. Yep, cool. That's not a Year Zero engine game that uses a different set of mechanics
0: because it
1: precedes Beauty Year Zero. It does, yeah.
0: Cool. Well, the last thing I'm going to say is um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, or a few weeks ago, uh, I ran my Alien hack where the players played Xenomorphs, and we've just finished yes. broadcasting that. Um and it was only this last weekend that I'd seen um Matt's show notes on the podcast site <laughs> about how uh, how much of a crime against role playing this was. Well it's Crime against role playing. <laughs> uh well, guilty, guilty. Um but it was great fun. So but anyway.
1: And it has a, it's attracted
0: quite yeah. a bit of interest. Okay. So a few people have have posted on various um, social media fora uh, asking for me to put the uh, the rules as they were up so they can replicate the game, which is great. I'm doing that. Um, hopefully by the time this broadcasts, I might have had it done already. Uh, quite a lot of it was in my mind, so I just need to put down some some stuff to uh, just to indicate a few of the things that I sort of had in the back of my mind but never wrote down. So I'm writing that up at the moment. It'll yeah. be about 3 or 4 pages long, so it's it's not going to be it's, it's not much in the way of rules. It's very much a game for a GM who likes to wing it a bit and doesn't mind making things up as they go with a few rules and and, and ideas that form a framework for it. But keep your eyes open if you're interested in that then that'll be out on um, my blog rpggods.org but I'll also post that up on Facebook and I'm sure Matt will stick up on Twitter um, and elsewhere um and yeah I'll be delighted to to, to hear what how people find it um, but just to just to just reiterate this isn't official um, free league stuff at all I mentioned it to to Nils and martin and matthias when they were over for the UK games expo and they were Quite clear that this is a fan thing and not a free league thing. um So <laughs> vehemently. So hopefully, it, <laughs> yeah, hopefully they'll forgive me for my little bit of um, temerity and actually going ahead and doing it. But we all had good fun. It was. Yeah, I'm not I sure know. I do though. I yeah, but I don't care whether you forgive me or not, Matt. So, uh, um, so yeah. So watch, watch, watch out for that.
1: We ought to crack on with we the rest of the should. show, and. Uh, just to explain, we, 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 as I said, we've, we've got people from all around the world. Uh, the first person I interviewed is Doug, our friend from Victory Condition Gaming. Uh, and I thought, you know, we've done a lot for him. We've been on his <laughs> show quite a bit. Uh, it's about time he returned the favor. So our first guest is an old friend of the show. We've done some work with him before. And that's Doug from Victory Condition Gaming.
3: Thanks for having me on.
1: As you know, we're doing a show specifically about top tips for new GMs coming to play Alien for the first time. And you have recently been in that position because uh, uh, my co-host Dave ran a couple of games for you, but then you ran Charity of the Gods for a group um, on your stream. So... Tell us a little bit about your stream, Victory Condition Gaming.
3: Uh, yeah, Victory Condition Gaming. I started a few years ago with with my daughter. Uh, we were doing all sorts of uh, tabletop content. Uh, it was mostly just her and I, and... Uh, you know, the last few years, it's it's really kind of blossomed into uh, uh, into a whole network of, of folks that, that come on and a, a great team of contributors that come on. And, and we do uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, we do all sorts of role-playing games. We do board games. We do uh, interviews. Um, yeah. And we've just we've uh, kind of you know, reached branched out into all these different, uh, different areas. Uh, we have a pot, we have a two weekly podcast. Now I've got a radio show that airs locally here in the States. And, uh, well,
1: I mean, actually on, on public radio.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, uh, it, uh, airs up here in, in uh, one of the biggest city in in Vermont I live in Vermont if, if any, anybody's familiar with uh, the northeast uh, United States uh, Vermont's not a very big very big state but uh, we've got one one city that's uh, fairly large and and they were looking for uh, what they what they uh, called was kind of like geek radio uh, they right. wanted geek radio you know and so uh i i've worked in the uh, the radio industry for for a little while doing marketing and and they reached out to me and asked me if uh i wanted to be a part of it and and uh have some sort of content on on uh, their weekly uh schedule and sure enough they, they
1: so the only way we can listen to that content though is is by listening to the radio in vermont
3: uh, right you'll have podcast, to am i right yeah, no, you'll you'll have to move to Vermont, uh, Matthew. So I will uh, send a plane over right now.
1: Okay, you just need to persuade the radio station to let you release it as a podcast as well. I mean, the BBC does it all the time.
3: Uh, hey, you know, uh, I think I, you know, some of it, some of the content is from uh, from the podcast, but uh, we they kind of uh, tweak it, and we do do some exclusive content for them as well.
1: Brilliant. Uh, so, are you pretty much full time podcaster and YouTuber now then, or do you have a proper job?
3: No, I have I have what I call my Clark Kent job.
1: There was a time I thought this guy must work in a T-shirt printing shop because you released last year uh, a great range of shirts that uh, you, what you called your dump stat T-shirts. Yeah, that was D and D fans could you know, label agility as their dump stat or charisma or whatever as their dump stat and proudly wear that at conventions throughout America. And I've heard a rumor that you've just started a new line of T-shirts.
3: We we did we uh, you know it was, it was pretty amazing. We, we actually dumped we, we, uh, we launched an apparel line for victory condition gaming last year uh, and it did really well. Um, and then earlier this year, uh, my friend Amanda and I were, we chatting and, uh, we were sending some emails back and forth and somehow, uh, you know, I, I said something along the lines that, you know, intelligence is my dumpstat stat or something to her. And, and I'm like, you know, that would make a really great t-shirt. And so, uh, Earlier this year, we we launched a line called Dumpstat Tease, and it just, it was crazy. It just, it took off, and we really, really appreciate everybody that's uh, supported that line, and uh, right around, like, a few months after that launch, uh, we were talking with Free League, and uh, especially Thomas uh, there over at uh, Free League, and uh, we were like, hey, we Kind of do this T-shirt thing now. Would you like us to do some T-shirts for you? And uh, we've been doing some. We've just launched uh, Free League uh, T-shirts for for their uh, for their company owned or, or publishing owned uh, rights. The, their their games that they own the rights to. Right, there's the, um, the,
1: the, the full rights. So not Coriolis T-shirts, I'm guessing. But yes to no. Forbidden Lands.
3: Forbidden Lands. Uh, we've 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 got we launched uh, we launched just a uh, week ago with uh, with forbidden a Forbidden Lands line. We've got a uh, a free league logo you know branded uh, apparel line, and then we are working on right now. We're working on a Simbrium line. Excellent. So, yeah.
1: So that's great. Now, but I ought to warn listeners because we've got a global audience that that line is only available in the u.s the continental u.s
3: just yeah ju- just the u.s market for that um and you can check that out at freeleagueshirts.com
1: freeleagueshirts.com for you u.s listeners not even over the border in yeah. canada
3: uh not yet we're we're trying to figure something out there, right. though.
1: okay watch that space canadians <laughs> it's been great talking talking about what you do in the world of gaming you're really good at you know promoting all sorts of games um Uh, not just won some free league like us but i want to talk specifically about a free league game that i've seen you gm and i'm hoping that you might be able to join our other guests in giving three top tips for new gms who are starting out playing alien rpg
3: yeah i would love to
1: okay then what would your first top tip be doug
3: well, I'll tell you what I did when I first uh, when we decided that we wanted to do the charity of the gods uh, series on the show. Uh, I actually went back and uh, it's, it had been quite a few years since I had watched the Alien movies, even though I have them, you know, in my in my uh, DVD and Blu- Blu- Blu-ray library. It's been a few years since I since I had watched them. I went back and watched Aliens, uh, Alien One and Two, uh, just to kind of refresh my uh, memory and also to uh, give me some inspiration for. Uh, for the series that we were going to do on the show with, with the game. So I, I think that's, that was a big help with the, uh, especially setting the tone and, and uh, getting me in the right mindset as to what the, what I was trying to go for with, with that, uh, with those yeah, sessions. I, you
1: could, you could, you could use what you see on the screen. Couldn't you to sort of relay in people's imaginations, the grungy setting of this particular version of space absolutely moving on though moving on quickly to your
3: next top tip i guess for a new gm i would say that if you can game with your friends that's probably uh a good a good suggestion um don't gm with folks that maybe you're not you don't know all that well um and the reason why I say this is because uh, usually, if you're if you're just GMing for the first few times, it's always good to get feedback mm. from your players. And uh, I always like to after after we do any of these sessions on, on the show, I, I usually go back to the t- the players and I'll be like, "Hey, you know, be honest with me. What what really worked here? What what didn't?" Um, and a lot of times, if you you know, I the folks that I have on my show, I I really respect and, and they're friends. And, and I I really, you know, I don't get offended by the feedback that they give me even if if it's negative or, or, you know, or if it's positive, that's, that's great too. But I think uh, having that uh, having access to feedback that is honest and that, uh, you know, you know, is coming from a good place is, is key. And I think, uh, I think if you can get, you know, four or five of your friends that, uh, you know, that you can take, you know, constructive criticism from as a GM early on. That's, that's a good thing. That only is going to help you help you in the future.
1: Right. We're, we're overrunning, but what's your final top tip?
3: My final top tip would be to, uh, to, if you're GMing for the first few times, find a place that, uh, doesn't have a whole lot of dist- distractions um so don't i would suggest not gming at like a large convention or um i think that there's so much going on and uh if you can find a place where you can you, you're you're in a room with just the players and just yourself you know i i think that that helps a lot and then that way the players are are giving you their, your, their you their attention and you're giving them their your attention and uh it, it just Creates it's so easy, especially with with it when you're GMing for the free first few times, to get um, disconnected from uh, the scene that you're trying to set. And, uh, even for, for season GMs, if there's a lot of distractions going on, it's, it's hard to keep, you know, everybody focused. Uh, so if you can make sure that you're in a setting where there's not a whole lot of, uh, distractions going on, especially early on in while you're GMing, that that's, I think yeah. that's, that's, a now, big thing. that
1: brings me on to another question there that I want to ask you. Sorry, I'm, we're overrunning, but I'm in charge of the program. Sure. So, no, uh, <laughs> Now, a lot of people nowadays uh, might struggle, particularly if they, you know, if they haven't got a network of gamers around them, and they have just picked up this game and they want somebody to play it with. They're nervous of asking their cousins or their colleagues or whatever if they're interested. Although I would say just ask. It isn't like it isn't the eighties anymore. You know, they don't sure. burn your books if you suggest you want to play a role playing game. No. Um, uh, so do just ask. Right. But if you can't. Gather a group of friends around. You may go to your local, friendly local gaming store, but in a way, what you're saying is that's probably not the place you want to run your first game. You want people you know, and you want uh, a, a place without distractions. So, a lot of people turn to right. online gaming, and I know. I mean, that's you know, that's your shtick. You do a lot of that on YouTube. I I hear. So, have you got any any the- um helpful hints for people that might start be starting out on online gaming what do they need to do
3: i i'm going to tell you to find people that uh that that, you know you have a lot of a lot in common with um if you've got friends that 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 you've known that have moved away reach out to them first um you know, don't don't just put a uh, don't put a like a random call out on a on a social media, uh, you know, Facebook group or or, or any place or for some forum online. Try to find folks that uh, that that you know uh, that are willing to give you, uh, uh, you know, time online, um, and then uh, just you know, get a good headset. Don't worry about uh, don't worry about you know, whether or not the, the video quality is great or anything, just, just get together on, on a Skype call and, uh, play, play a game. Don't, you know, you're not playing it for an audience. Don't play it for an audience. Uh, first thing, I guess that's, that's my, yeah, that's, that's my first thing. Don't just, don't, uh, don't automatically start a game and think, oh, well, we should stream this out to, to YouTube, especially if you're not, uh, you, you know, uh, if you're not f- if you've never done it before try it a few times and if it's something that you like then 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 do it um but definitely you can do it fairly fairly easily uh you just you know i think everybody has access to to some sort of uh you know conferencing
1: uh, yeah everybody uses zoom nowadays and it's so faultless. you know it's you know not at all difficult to work yeah <laughs> <laughs>
3: we've got zoom you've got skype i'm trying to think you got uh yeah. facetime you know there's there's all sorts of different uh different programs out there and and just just hop on those and don't worry about let everybody kind of just i mean there are some online dice rollers that you can access to but if people mm. people like to roll dice when they're playing role-playing games so let them roll their dice like at the table trust and em. just let them tell you trust trust your players exactly you know if they really want to be right if they if they don't if they really want to like flub their roles and and tell you what uh, you know that oh yeah no i got a 20 every single time you know fine i only uh, cheating let, themselves let them do that i mean more than likely it's if that's the way they're gonna right they're only gonna be be cheating themselves but uh, most people that i play with online they they just like oh yep no this is what i got for a role And, and, uh, it's, it's so fun and we have a great time with it on the show. And, and, uh, just don't sweat it. It's not
1: something that we do. Uh, host Dave doesn't particularly like playing online, but, um, but we do live quite apart from each other. We are old school friends, you know, who all got different jobs and careers and moved to different parts of the country. And I think that for mm -hmm. me, that's one of the reasons I think online gaming has taken off is, is connecting people who do show an interest but can't get together as often as I'd like to.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's been, it's been a great, uh, great reason for, I think it's, I think it's one of the reasons why the RPG uh, hobby has, has taken off in these last probably five, six years is just because more people have realized that, Hey, we can play these games online and we don't have to, you know, schedule a game night and, and wait for, everybody show up and have everybody bail on us and, and then not be able to play, you know, when, when you can do it from your own home, from your, from your couch or from your, your, your recliner chair or whatever, and, and, and play, then yeah. people, people tend to, you know, be more apt to play.
1: Uh, I've taken a lot of your time uh, now, a bit more than I promised it it would take. So I'll let you get back to your lovely wife, who I know is just off, off, that is- off, off, um, Uh, out of hearing thank you very much doug uh and i let me recommend to everybody that they tune in to victory condition gaming on the youtubes and i'm sure doug would want me to say subscribe
0: that's right thank you doug Uh, well it's great to get doug on the show and um really really interesting to hear his his views obviously watching the movies again is a great idea uh they are um they're well worth watching even the ones that i think you know the later ones or the later ones in terms of production um they still offer uh, some good stuff for for alien gms to to think about and obviously that's all part of the canon for the game because that's part of the canon that is uh, is out there um yeah i think i mean i can't I don't disagree with anything he said there i think it's all makes eminent sense particularly if you're a new gm you know playing in an environment where Making a few cock ups isn't gonna matter and no one's gonna, you know, give you a hard time over it. Because you learn by making mistakes in, in these kind of things and it's um it, it, it's fun almost. You know, it shouldn't be an argument. Uh, it should be it should be a bit of fun. So I think yeah, um So once you've got your group together,
1: uh, our friend of the show and Julie has got some tips for actually starting to play. Ooh. Our next guest is friend of the show and Julie.
5: Hello, hello. It's nice to be here. Hello.
1: Um, now, uh, some people will have will have heard uh, you before, but just very quickly, say who you are and what makes you famous. <laughs>
5: <laughs> hello, I am Angelie. What makes me famous is my awesomeness. No, <laughs> uh, I am a miniature painter and RPG. Uh, lover expert for uh, asmodee uk um you'll find me tweeting nonsense on the interwebs um, that's what i'm most famous for as in
1: uh, and you tweet that nonsense under the name geek girl bookworm
5: yes that is me that's probably a really good thing to have as well okay Tell the brand.
1: so you work for asmodee but if people want to listen to you talking about working for asmodee they'll have to find you back in our archives uh, right now, I know yeah. that you have just come back from working for Free League.
5: I have oh, four lovely days with the lovely people of Free League in Essen uh, Spiel. Excellent. And you were manning their stand
1: at Essen Spiel. What we, did what did they have for sale?
5: Uh, everything that they could sell. So we had um, Coriolis and Simbarum and uh, for lands. Tales from the Loop and things from the Flood and then the new board game Crusader Kings.
1: Yeah, because um, I went to Essen last time with Paradox, sitting under Paradox's yeah. banner, as it were, to sort of showcase uh, the prototype of Crusader Kings. Since then, they've done a, a, a Kickstarter and that's come out, and it's been a reasonable hit. where uh, people are pleased to see it?
5: Yeah, people were really excited, especially the first couple of days. The sort of the Saturday uh, wasn't c- quite as I think a lot of people didn't realise, like, it was a board game because we had lots of RPGs, um, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people on the Saturday were there for the board games. Uh, but, yeah, Thursday, Friday, it was a really big hit. And then, um, yeah, someone on Sunday came along and bought all oh, the stock we had left. So uh, Oh, yeah, lovely. They, yeah. That was very wow. nice. So, yeah, it was, it was very nice. Uh,
1: was there any excitement about Alien, or were they not mentioning Alien?
5: Many people were asking about it. Where hmm. is it? Why haven't you got it? Why can't I buy it? Yeah. Um, a lot of people were really interested in uh, Tales from the Loop. Uh, they hadn't seen it before. I did, I, I did a lot, a lot of talking about Tales from the Loop. And then after that, it would be like, the second question would be like, an alien? What is this? When can I this? Um, yeah, much excitement for that.
1: And we ought to just quickly mention, although it's not particularly free league related, you hung out with somebody who's kind of important in the gaming industry of an evening.
5: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you may have heard of him. His name is uh, Ian Livingston. And, uh, yeah, we we went out for tapas. Um, very
1: nice. <laughs> I'm very jealous of Super you for fun. that. I, I told you before the show <laughs> that I wasn't really going to say fun. that, but
5: I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was so much fun. Um, very, very lucky. I don't even know what my life is. Yeah, from the
1: photos excited. on your Twitter stream, actually, it looked like it was a lot of fun, like some quite drunk fun as well.
3: Yeah it was like it was stream this out to to youtube especially if you're not uh you, you know uh if you're not if you've never done it before me. but for some reason just because
5: i don't know if it's because you're in a different place you don't know anything and it's all a bit it's holiday feeling but i just had so much fun like i got to ha- i got to hang out with some really cool people and just like network and talk to people and it was just I yeah I, I really really loved it I had really bad con blues afterwards I was like I can't believe I'm still not there this makes me sad I've got to wait a whole year before I can go back again
1: <laughs> yeah well you're making me jealous I think I might have to go to Essen next year <laughs> anyway that's not what we're talking about we're biting into our time here and we've recruited you to the show for this episode to talk about your top tips for new GMs who've just got an exciting new rule book for alien in their hands and they want they want they want to play a game but they may never have been a role player before or seen dungeons and dragons and of of all of us who are on the show i think you are the most recent neophyte gm with only 5 yes. years worth of experience so i'm really hoping you can remember your first session and um, the mistakes you made and have some really erudite top tips for new GMs.
5: Okay. Yeah, I think I could do it. I think I think I can cast my mind back. (laughs) Okay. um, So what's your first top tip then? First top tip. Don't be afraid to not know the rules. That is my first one. Because if you're going to spend all of your time checking the rule book for rules, then you're going to eat into your playtime. You're going to lose track of the story and everyone's going to become disengaged from what's going on. If you don't know a rule, make it up. Make a note to maybe look that rule up for next time, but for in that spur of the moment, say, this is what I've decided we're going to do. The rules are only there as like a guideline anyway. So just go with whatever feels good in the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, cool. this is a storytelling game. It's very unlikely that you're going to be really unfair to a character by making something up or to a player by making something up. Um, And you can always say, look, I'll check it up after the game. We'll do it this way for now. It may not be that way in future, and I'll tell everybody about it when I know what the rule is. What is your second
5: top tip? Top tip number two, new DMs always overplan. And while that might make you think you're going to be safe, your players will mess with you <laughs> and they will not do it. Every time, like don't, don't expect them to just follow the route because you have laid it out for them. They will be suspicious of that route that you've carefully planned and they will go in the opposite direction. So um, don't overplan. Do have a plan. It's nice to, it makes, gives you a bit of confidence to be like, okay, this is the sort of the rough idea of what I want to do. But if you've planned for the big battle to be in room D and your group get distracted with room B down the corridor, no one but you is going to know that the big bad wasn't in room B to begin with. So just switch around. No no one is going to know. And you don't have to panic. Then you just switch the rooms around and get them to the big bad. Like the only person that's going to know that they that they didn't go the way you planned is you. So, like, don't worry about it. And over-planning as well can lead to stress because you um, you want it to happen in a certain way and it definitely will not happen in that way. Um, yeah, your, yeah. Your players are murder hope and they will destroy everything you planned and created.
1: Yes, that is, that is right, isn't it? I mean, no plan, as they say in the military, survives contact with the enemy and no scenario uh, survives contact with players because they will just turn left, won't they? Yes. In fact, I was thinking, you know, it's good advice for new GMs, but actually it's kind of good advice for even guys who've been doing it like me for 30-odd years because I was playing a game of Coriolis recently and it had a very – and I must admit I was worried about it. It was a pre-published scenario and I I read this scenario and I thought, oh, it's it's quite linear. You're expected to start at this end of the spaceship and go to this end of the spaceship. But that's cool because I can see what they've done is they've broken the airlock at the – at the final end of the spaceship as it were so everybody will go that way so that's fine okay got that in my head and then what did these guys do they repaired the airlock at the other end of the ship so <laughs> they walked straight in on the big bad and kind of had to run away from it uh going through all the encounters <laughs> the other way around to the way it was originally intended um maybe i should have actually taken your other bit of advice there and just improvised and said okay the big bad so it goes to the other end of the ship but I wasn't quick thinking enough for that. What is your top tip number three?
5: Uh, top tip number three: uh, Have a session zero. Um, yeah. If you are going to be having a um, campaign setting, and you're this is more than a one shot, you're going to be playing for a number of months, years with this story. Have a session zero. Sit down with your players. Explain to them the story that you're looking to, to run. And then find out what they're looking to play in. Because if you've got two conflicting ideas, one of you is not going to have any fun. And then you know the way you win RPGs is that you have fun. Yes. So if you, yeah, if you don't, if if your players aren't aware of the way that you want to play the game, then they can be upset, and you will either lose the players or they'll just have enough time. And the other way around, if they want to just be running around being murder hobos, but you want to tell this sort of deep, like strong narrative and there isn't going to be a lot of combat, then you're not going to be happy either because they're going to try and kill every NPC that you show them. Um, So, yeah, have a session zero. Find out out about the characters, you know, give them some backstory, have them link each character to the other in some way, for good or bad, give them a flaw or a bond. That means that they at least know each other before the episodes, before the episodes, before the session starts. And then you can build on that together. Um, I think it's really important as well when you have your session zero, also to discuss, um, discuss ideas and consents, things that your players might be uncomfortable with because they could be your best friends in the world, but you don't know everything that has gone on in their life. You don't know things that will upset them. Because maybe they don't want to talk about them, but if you have a session zero, you can at least get a feel for the type of things that people definitely don't want in the game, um, and that will make a, a better game as well. Yeah,
1: and I can, that's particularly important, isn't it, for for Alien because um,
5: yes, exactly. Alien is a lot about body horror.
1: Um, so mm-hmm. if you kind of say, "Look, I I know that they, the they, uh, the the facehugger." slips a true a tube down your throat and implants something in your stomach and it's going to burst out i know that that that's what happens in alien but if it happens to me can we just kind of gray over that thing fade to black on that i'm I'm not into reenacting that i don't want you sticking your fingers down my throat right uh which (laughs) hopefully no no gm is going to sit their fingers down that's probably a good top tip number four don't stick your fingers down the player's throat But yeah. but given that this is a yeah. horror game people may have certain things yeah. that they don't really want to feature
5: exactly yeah and then you can put up rules about how you how you how you cover those when if and when that does happen um you know how how much information can you reveal before your players become uncomfortable yeah. um then work from that and also you know, pass no judgment on it as well when you're talking about this have an open conversation with everyone at the table but don't push anyone, and don't. Part. If someone just says, "I don't like this," that you don't have, you don't need to know why they don't like it. That's that's not not the reason that you're asking the question. All you need to know is they don't like it, and you move on. From okay,
1: it. now th- this raises an interesting question. We m- we might have to overrun on this because there's a weird sort of social contract around a table that may, you know, everybody's there to have fun and if you've got a thing that you want to say you know even if it's the thing i've just invented of, you know i don't really want the facehugger scene happening to me even if you know i by all means attack me with a facehugger kill me with a facehugger if necessary but i just don't want to describe it you know if i'm sitting there round a table with four other people who are playing alien and they're all into it you know they've seen the movies they know what's going to happen there's quite a lot of internal pressure on me even if these guys haven't said anything about it not to say something like that lest i be seen as the fun ruiner so, so yeah i'm just wondering is there a way that we can do it in a in a non-judgmental way that uh, that people feel free to say look these are the things i'm scared of or...
5: um well so um i did a a one shot game with um a group from EA Games uh, last oh month. Um, I got hired to be a DM for a team building exercise for EA in Guildford um, and before, I, before we started I sort of told them the type of story that it was probably going to revolve around and I sent them out Monty Cook's free consent guide ah. and I said to them "This. there's a form at the end most of this stuff is definitely never going to come up in a game that I play because I play fun, happy, laugh Laugh, you know, laughing games. And, um, but there's a form at the back and it sort of says like, it's sort of amber levels. And you just say green, yellow, or red, like what you're okay with, what you're not okay with. And it just gives, a it doesn't give you like a big description. It just has words, a description word that says like this type of thing, this type of thing, this type of thing. And then it gives you a chance to add extra ones as well. And all I did just say, fill those in. You know, you don't have to put your name on them. Um, you could just send them back over to me um, or send them to your boss and then he'll send them all over to me. I'll read through them, make sure that those type of things are not in there. If I have any questions, like in regards to, someone said something about like devils and things and we were play we were going to Avernus and I was like, well, you know, there might be a little bit of this, like this is, but this is how I'm happy to deal with it. Is this okay for you? And then they were like, yeah, that's, that's fine. I just don't, you know, I don't want big graphic um descriptions of like you know blood and gore and body horror and i was like no nah, it's not going to be that don't worry it's dungeons and dragons it's it's friendly um so you get hit points you and, don't spill blood uh,
1: so in dungeons and dragons you just lose hit points no, little little indicator yeah. above your head the bar goes slowly down to zero
5: um, <laughs> yes and uh, that worked really well actually because i di- i didn't know any of them they didn't know me but it meant that before i turned up i had in my mind an idea of the things that they did and didn't like um and you can do that for you you know you're anyone around the table you can before you start the game even if it's a one shot you can say to them right quickly have a read through this like if there's anything here that stands out something you definitely don't want on there just circle it just highlight it and ha- pass them up to me you don't have to put your names on them and i'll just i'll be able to look through and see the highlighted bit and be like okay keep those things out of it fade those to black if that's coming up cut it out of my story or um it means a bit of work for you as a gm but On the whole, it's going to make a better game for everyone because no one is going to be worried that something is going to pop up that shouldn't pop up, um, that they're not happy with. Okay. Um, And and have an X card.
1: And that's – oh, an X card we'll come to in a moment. Let's come back to that. But uh, uh, that Monty Cook uh, Guide to Consent, is it? Yes. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. I haven't looked at it, but is there space on the end of that form to say face huggers putting their tubes down your throat and implanting an alien in you?
5: Definitely, yeah. There's a bit at the bottom, it's like a blank line, and so it just says, is there anything else? And then you can add your own things. Like, you know, so there's someone put, I don't like vomit. Please don't have anyone vomit <laughs> on me or near me.
1: Yeah, I, thinking, I know I know there, I'm, there I'm, are people that uh, are triggered by that. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, let's just go back to an X card. You said have an X card. What is an X card? I mean, I know what an X card is,
5: but our, our new listeners don't. Uh, so an X card is literally just a piece of paper or a card with a cross on it. Put it somewhere on the table where everyone can reach it. And if at, tell your players that if at any point something comes up that they are not comfortable with, so um, something that maybe they didn't even think about putting on the forms, if they feel uncomfortable, all they have to do is tap it. Cool. They don't have to say anything. They just tap it. And there's, the, that part of the story stops. We fade to black. We start pick up somewhere else. And that's all the X card is. And it just, it's, it's just there as a, a sort of safety, security sort of blanket it's just there. Say, I am aware that you know you have things that you might not like, and I will. I'm here to deal with them. So, yeah, just tap the X card and then move on.
1: Well, thanks Thank so much for taking your time out to talk to us, and Julie, we'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon, and we'll probably be seeing you at yeah. Dragon
5: Meat. Yes, I will be there. I'm doing a live stream from Dragon ah, Meat. So ah, cool. Surprising.
1: Yeah, you're joining us on the yeah. podcast soon. Well, I say that. We're joining you on the podcast and when we can get any time off in the free league stand. But um there we go.
5: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So if anyone wants to learn to paint, I will have miniatures, paints and brushes and you can come along and learn to paint. It's great. It's been fabulous talking to you. Yay.
0: Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more with Anjali on on two things, particularly. Don't worry about the rules. So I think that is so important. One of the things that I find most frustrating as a player is having to pause the game and sit there feeling the tension seep out of the room because the GM is spending 20 minutes going through a book trying to find an arcane little bit of ruling which they could just as easily make up on the hoof, do something that works really well and then check the actual rule after the game is over. So narrative pace, keeping the tension up, keeping the players hooked in is much, much more important to me than making sure you've got every tiny little bit of the rules correct as long as you're not doing something that's bonkers, um, if you're not sure, make a call, go with it, check it later. I think that's much, much, much yeah, the best way of doing it. I think
1: I think there's just one caveat for listeners to our AP is they will often hear us check a rule during the AP. And in fact, they've often, uh, we've often edited out the minutes of yeah. flicking through the pages before we get the rule. We We kind of feel it's, you know that APs are a way to learn, so we do take the time to check the rule out on our APs um, as a service to you, honestly. Uh, Um But we don't do that fair, normally. That's a
0: fair point to make, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in in the heat of a game, if you if you've got lots of tension and you've got lots of action, it's fast moving. Um, don't stop it and lose all of that just to find some pointless rule you know, that's not the way to do it. Yeah. Um, the other thing about not over preparing, I mean, that's, that's a very ambiguous thing to say. So, um, (laughs) I agree with it. I absolutely do agree with it, but, uh, over preparing what, so one person's over preparing would be another person's under preparing. So prepare to the level that you feel comfortable with, but don't feel you've got to write absolutely everything for everywhere. Um, Keep focused on the key elements yeah. of the story, the key protagonists the the key antagonists um, those key moments that you want the players to go and motivations as
1: well yeah. I think is important you know don't try and predict what that antagonist will do in a particular no. circumstance, but think about what it is they want out of life and then be guided by their motivations when it comes to having them react to the weird thing that your players yeah, just did
0: absolutely um, but also I think there's a thing about certainly for me. Uh, in 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 writing a scenario i'll have an idea in my mind of a of a scene or a moment that I want to try and build up to and having having the 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 what's the word i'm looking for the scaffolding that gets you to that moment is important, and i'll put that in my scenario but actually it's a scaffolding because it's not a full fully fledged building you know it's just the guide to get you there yeah because things will change um but I know some people like just for fun, you know, to fill out reams of background as just part of their hobby. And if you want to do that, that's absolutely fine. But don't feel you have to do that. Um, because, again, you could fall into the trap of, oh, I, I know I wrote lots and lots of background about character X or Y, and all, but I can't remember. So I've got to go and look through all my notes to find out how that character would, would react to a certain situation, or, or, as you say, Matt, what their motivation might be. Live the character, play the character, let the character grow in your mind as you're playing them and, and make the call um, there and then. So over-preparing can be a bad thing in that sense.
1: Right, so we've got our group, we've prepared. Uh, now we're flying back across the Atlantic to Toby, um, who is a patron of ours and also a podcaster in his own right on RPG Logic. And he's got some tips about getting the horror right. Cool. And our next guest is Toby from the RPG Logic Podcast. Hello. Hi, Toby. How are you? Pretty good. Excellent. Now, uh, tell us all a little bit about the RPG Logic Podcast.
2: So the idea was, basically, I've been listening to a lot of uh, actual play podcasts and advice podcasts. And I thought what I would do is I would combine the two. So, I take a piece of our game, or I take up, we record our games, I break it up into scenes and record a little bit of advice and feedback on what happened, what I was intending to do, what the players were intending to do, what their reaction to it was, and how I could do things better. That was sort of the idea. And the name came from kind of the concept of player logic how within five minutes of the start of any scenario, everything is on fire. Um, yes. But <laughs> That's a so good far, we haven't had finish. a whole lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's.
1: A, I, I discovered it when you know in the early days of uh, playing Coriolis, and you, you'd done exactly that thing, and you had you had a sort of discussion with with the yeah. players afterwards as well. It's a really good format. I really love it. Uh, is it popular? I'll have you, you got good number of listeners?
2: I do not have a whole lot of listeners, and some of that is, I think, probably because the some of the choices we make on games. Uh, we play games that we really like. We do not play D and D because I don't think it translates real well to the um, uh, audio-only format. Yeah. Uh, so we that's we don't have a whole lot of listeners.
1: But. And you know, I'm thinking about this. Um, I've kind of taken against the Conan game from Modiphius, and I'm realizing I haven't listened to you for ages because you were doing quite a lot of Conan. And
2: we've been I, yeah, we've been slugging our way through Conan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I should I should get back and listen to some of that, but. Uh, as somebody who dissects uh, what you were trying to do and how it worked, and as somebody who tries lots of new games, uh, we thought you'd be a perfect person to uh, join our special question on, or um, well, special episode, I should say, for new GMs to Alien, because we've seen a lot on social media about of people for whom this will be their first RPG, so that they, they probably have the rulebook in their hands right now they're being delivered even as we speak and what's the what are your top 3 tips for so, advice for a new gm
2: so the, the first one i have is uh, the atmosphere that you're going to be building at the table so you're going to be um, first thing you want to avoid because this is alien is really a survival horror uh, with an emphasis on horror, there. Uh, so the first thing you want to make sure is, as the GM, you are not making jokes. Let the players do that. They're going to do plenty of jokes on their own. <laughs> yeah. Don't participate because you were going to be breaking your atmosphere that you're creating. Uh, the other part of that atmosphere is you're going to be doing that atmosphere through description. So mm-hmm. everything is going to be dark. I don't know if you if you, I. Horror movies, strangely enough, I love doing horror games, but horror movies are are really, I have a real hard time with them. So I've seen parts of Alien and I've seen all of Aliens in, but not all in a row. No. (laughs) So in Aliens, right, in Aliens, everything is dark when they're outside. It's night, it's raining, it's overcast. Inside, everything is broken, it's leaking, it's dark, it's close, you can't see very far. You do not have a good sense of what is going on around you. So make sure that you, when you're describing the room, when you're describing the scene, you're going to be throwing, you can't spend a lot of time on any one description, but at all times you want to throw in one or two sentences about, okay, you look down the dark hallway, there's a pipe gives out steam and obscures your view down the hall, mm. that sort of thing. So you're th- constantly throwing in little notes on what to, to provide that atmosphere to your players
1: yeah i, I, I that uh, yeah. let's hold on that one because I, I, I that two sure. things i feel like that's advice for me because i'm always cracking jokes with my players and as soon as they crack a joke i i you know i crack a joke back so uh one it's of the things so I, I, hard I, to I, not. i don't feel like i'm a particularly good horror gm whereas my co-host dave probably is better um and probably gets more annoyed when people crack jokes as well we'll have to ask him um uh the description thing is is really important and i think what i'd say as well to a new gm is don't necessarily read out the description of the room that is in the book just take a few points from that layer it on as you say with dark and steam and stuff like that think about the movies uh but as soon as you start reading out a description you kind of Lose the descriptive tone and start giving a lecturing tone. And as you say, that doesn't help the atmosphere.
2: Yeah, keeping the descriptions really, really short. and you, But you can keep doing more description, keep adding more to yeah. it every time they ask a question.
1: And so your second tip?
2: My second tip is, and this is something in addition to the description that I really have to work on, is make things harder for the player characters than you think they should be. So for... um. For me, I'm always like, well, I don't want all the player characters to die. So you're playing the wrong game. Don't play Alien
1: if you don't want them all to die. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Exactly. You got to remember, this is Alien. If at best one person is going to make it out of there, and um, only after, again, everything is on fire. They've used up all their ammunition. They've gone through. They've tried five different uh, ways to rescue themselves. Let the. Set up a a difficult situation and let their failures, which is going to be my next point, let their failures make things harder for them. Yeah. So, um, the truck breaks down. Okay, try and fix the truck. Okay, well, you didn't fix the truck. Well, now what are you going to do? You don't have the part. Mm. You can't re-roll. You're going to try something. You try try plan B. Now we're going to move on to plan C. Now we're going to move on to plan D, except now the alien is trying to eat us. So- you're you constantly want to make things harder than you think they're going to be able to handle because players are really really inventive. They really want to sur- They they really want to survive. So they're going to be a lot more clever than you think they are. Yeah. Especially since there's four or five of brains working against yours.
1: Yeah, that's a so very good point.
2: Make make it a lot harder. Now and, and by harder, I'm not saying now there's five aliens attacking them. You know, if you're trying to recreate the aliens experience where they've got all the guns and everything, then sure you can have a hallway full of aliens coming coming at them because they've got the guns to handle that. But if it's the colonists trying to escape, the heart, the difficulty is going to come from everything's breaking. The alien is everywhere we need to be. and you're going to be throwing – that's the sort of difficulty you're going to be throwing at them. Yeah. It's not just more aliens.
1: It reminds me of some great advice uh, from Unknown Armies where um, Greg Stoltzi says, you're, you work as a GM in two phases. When you're planning the scenario, you want to be their worst enemy and make it as difficult as you can for
2: them exactly
1: when you're playing the scenario however he says you want to be their biggest fan because that you know they are going to come up with clever ideas and you don't want to stymie those ideas you just want to make the stakes really high because you've planned them to be really high so that it's even more of an achievement when they come up with a brilliant escape that you never thought of and they roll their dice successfully it. yeah i like that
2: yeah 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 exactly um yeah the the you don't want to have one only one way of doing anything. So you're not going to be the one coming up with a plan for how to solve things, especially when you're planning ahead, but you want to be open to their suggestions. Okay, let's go ahead. Give it a try. Maybe you can fix the truck. I don't know. Roll for it. Um, Which kind of leads me to my third point, which is, and this is more specific to the game aliens rather than just horror games in general is the consequences for failure. Um, especially if you're coming from a game that's not um, a zero your zero engine where players can you know all the players can try and roll for, to see if they succeed. in this kind in this game system, when you fail, you mm-hmm. fail. You don't you didn't oh I just didn't know that material or I didn't notice it. It's you failed to spot the alien. That means the alien attacks you. Um, you're not asking the players to roll when it doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter, they succeed. If it does matter, make them roll and make it, you know, it, cause you're trying to push them to push their role yes. as well. So you want them to do that. You want them to make, to push the role to build up that stress as much as possible so that the situation, you know, the characters are feeling as much tension and stress as the players are hopefully also feeling. It's still supposed to be fun, but. You want to push the players into making that decision to push their yeah, role.
1: Yeah, and that, at that cost as well. I think it's interesting as well because you played Coriolis. And as you say there, there mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be in, – in Alien, the rules very clearly say that one person attempts the thing. Others can help by adding a dice to, to that person's role, but you can't do multiple attempts exactly. on the same thing. And I think, you know, there's yeah. there's two things. Obviously, for all the reasons you've said, the role, one role's got to matter with a push if necessary, or it's got to mm-hmm. have dreadful consequences. In, yeah. in Coriolis, I was thinking about this, you know, you can roll as many times as you like, or, you know, a party can roll as many times as they like. It doesn't have the help rule. And I was thinking, but of course, every oh, yeah. time they push their roles, the GM gets a darkness point. So... In a way, they should be thinking about rationing the number of times they attempt a thing as well. I haven't thought it through properly, Mm -hmm. but I thought it's interesting the way, you know, the different levers of essentially the same mechanic change things about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think making the, the one of my favorite games, Red Markets, has a one and done role. Only one person gets to try anything, and that's the you get to live with those results or you pay for or you pay somehow to get a different result but it's always one and done and i think i really think emphasizing that when you're playing um alien or any year zero game is important one and done
1: yeah one and done sounds good brilliant so they're your top three tips for new alien gms um is there anything you want to say? Uh, do we know when the next episode of RPG Logic is coming out, or are you taking a bit of a breather from that?
2: Um, the next episode will come out, um, all I can say at this point, is sometime this month, uh, probably next okay. week. Okay, well,
1: we, we will include, um, we, 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 well, this episode is probably going to come out roughly that time. Whichever it is, we'll include uh, a link in the show notes and hopefully get you some more listeners Perfect. to RPG Logic.
2: Perfect. I look forward to hearing it. Brilliant.
1: Well, thanks very much for joining us, Toby. And I'm
2: going to let you, you get much. off
1: to your house repairs now because I know you've got workmen coming.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the the guy okay. just told me. <laughs> Brilliant. I'll let you call him back. <laughs> thanks. Cheers. Take care. Bye mm-hmm. bye.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, setting the atmosphere is is obviously very important in a horror game. Um, I guess my one slight caveat on that, considering the you know, the groups that I tend to play with. Um, you kind of can't stop people cracking jokes and laughing their heads off all the time. So it's quite <laughs> difficult, I think, in that sense to, to really get that sense and maintain it in, in that way as if it was almost um, uh, like a, a live-action role-play kind of thing. But if you can get that and you can get the, uh, the atmospherics in your location, the, the lighting and any music you might want, right, then absolutely, then that can really add to the, to the feeling and the sense of the, of the game um, but I do. I certainly agree about the you know the the level of description you should go to in terms of um, how much you describe about the uh, about the location, and about the aliens, and about everything around you. Um, focus on the atmospheric things. Don't feel you've got to describe every single little bit. Um, one thing I did, and I've sort of been doing um, in the games that I've been running, is using kind of body move, uh body movements as to sort of describe the movement of the aliens Mm. so I've kind of at the UK Games Expo when you've got an alien coming down a vent in my mind I've got the shots from aliens when they're coming through the vents or from alien and I try and just you know with big arm movements and stuff try and give a feel of a sense for that so it's it's another way of trying to describe it I'm not sure how well that worked um nobody went oh you're being a bit of an idiot so I I hope it it had the right effect. Because, again, it's another way of of describing kind of what they're seeing and then leaving everything else up to their imagination to fill in all those gaps, which is the best.
1: So are you saying, Dave, that you GM through the medium of Interpretive
0: Dance?
5: (laughs) Um,
0: Anybody who knows me or has seen me will know that the answer to that question is no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But through interpretive arm movements and uh, that kind of stuff, maybe maybe <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well
1: phil was a late addition because i you know we, i think we'd originally agreed that we'd we'd talked to the three that have already spoken and then i thought hold on we've actually got a new alien gm who's got his book he's been reading the rules he's run a game you know for the first time so he's got the best experience and mm-hmm. the most recent experience of anybody so let's listen to what he's got to say And our next guest is Phil Geraghty. Hey. Hi, Phil. Um, Who are you and what makes you famous? Because, you know, we only have famous people on this podcast.
4: I'm Phil Geraghty and I'm famous for being in the first group of Alien RPG uh, participants at UK Games Expo.
1: Uh Uh Aha, yes. That's where we met for the first time, isn't it? UK Games Expo. But it's also worth saying that you're coming to Dragon Meat, which is at the point of broadcast of this podcast, just maybe two weeks away.
4: And what are you doing
1: at Dragon Meat, Phil?
4: I'm paying forward the misery of Alien RPG. So I'll be running <laughs> in the first session of, of Dragon Meat uh, for Alien RPG of Hope's Last Day, which uh, I think you know the authors for.
1: And that is, of course, is based on uh, one of the scenarios that we played at um, UK Games Expo. Not the one that you were playing in, I think. You weren't a no. musician, were you?
4: Uh, I'm still not a musician. I've been trying to no, and in the
1: character you <laughs> no, have
4: absolutely in the not no. right now no, so we it, were trying to find the casino
1: ah yeah you were the burglars that was good um right and so you're gming alien at dragon meat and that means you have been playtesting and yeah. working out what the most important things to remember are
4: yes yeah um it's been quite fun um i actually my experience with regards to free league games is i've played tales from the loop and uh read through things of the flood and gm to tales from the loop and coriolis and so i thought well aliens the same system so let's do that then
1: and we twisted your arm a little bit to be a gm for us as well didn't we
4: well yes um I needed a little bit of gentle goading, I suppose, but I, I got the violin goading instead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great fun. Um, so we so did play-
1: um, you, you did that playtest when?
4: We did a playtest uh, last weekend, and we played for about three and a half hours and got about probably halfway through, actually.
1: Ooh, that's interesting.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: In terms of the four-hour slot you've got at Dragonmeet.
4: Yes, absolutely, Um, and that brings me on to the the sort of first thing that I encountered that was a surprise for me, which is that not everyone necessarily knows the setting as well as they or you think they might. Um, So we had one of our players players, um, who I had presumed had seen all of the films, um, really experienced guy in terms of media, and this was passion really actually um, had only seen Alien and probably saw that about 20 years ago so although they knew xenomorphs, they, they, you know, they know the, the general um, general the broad concept of the, the perfect movie. killing machine yes, yes uh, they don't know Aliens at all um, uh-huh. so when
3: you,
4: when you come into a scenario that is based effectively right at the beginning of the, uh, the Aliens movie you have to explain quite a lot about the the environment and even things like the the weather, etc. Because you know you remember the atmosphere in Alien, the the climate yes. in Alien. Yes, there is hardly any. Yes, exactly, exactly. So saying, well, we're there. Well, you kind of are, but it's actually not. Um, so that was uh, the first thing is is actually understanding who you're playing to and um, making sure you can set the scene really well uh, in a concise manner. <laughs>
1: And so what sort of top tips do you have? Because you can't then explain to this guy the entire plot of Alien. For a start, it's a bit of a spoiler <laughs> for the scenario. So um, so how did you set the scene? Yeah, sign?
4: absolutely. So with regards to um, that scenario and, and, and Hope's Last Day, uh, fortunately they knew Alien. So it was quite straightforward to say effectively. We've, we've returned as a... As a um, Society, we've returned back to that planet, and we're terraforming it, and we don't really understand uh, what's there. We haven't done a full survey yet. Um, and we've got what's called a shaken bait colony there of various different industrialists uh, for Wayland Utani, and they've discovered something, and it has all gone wrong.
2: Mm. Uh,
4: and then just a little bit of preamble from from the book uh, from the beginning of the scenario, really.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, so that's your first top tip. Be prepared for players that don't know the... I mean, I'm sure most people are going to end up with a group of players, most of whom do know Alien, because that's why they've all come to sit around the table. But among them, there could well be one or two that don't know everything that's gone on in their genre. And I yes. must admit i'm I'm stunned on the forum by how much people do know about all the comics and the novels and stuff like that, and a whole bunch yeah. of stuff goes right over my head. so um,
4: yeah, well same so- here, which is exactly why it was um, a bit of a surprise for me because one presumes everyone knows it. and yeah. then when when you make that presumption, you're going to um, reduce experience potentially for one or two players at the table.
1: Brilliant. Okay. Well, I mean, not brilliant, uh, but brilliant that you've, <laughs> you've raised that point. So that's your first top tip. What's your second top tip, Phil?
4: Scale. The scale. scale. Specifically, again, with regards to Hope's last day, but actually this applies to, to everything. Is the, the old thing of space is really, really big. <laughs> and had Hadley's Hope. And it doesn't look it on a very small map, especially if you print that map at A4. <laughs> or US letter. So um this is actually something that was my fault and not the fault of the players, which is that I think I know how big the map is. There's what, seventy-five families. You know, you can kind of yeah. therefore make a guess as to how many people are actually there, and therefore you think, well, you know, the good example on the map is the showers. You know, there's four showers. Well, we know how big a shower is. Yes. You know, so that's a good one. I, um, well,
1: that's that that's our mistake. That's a mistake, and and Phil, I'm pretty sure you promised not to bring that one up.
4: <laughs> well, I'm just thinking I need a shower. <laughs> well, the, the, but this is the thing: is that actually, regardless of of what they're labelled as, we know how large a room theoretically is. And um, for example, the uh, infirmary. Well, it's an infirmary, so you kind of think, well, infirmary is not going to be huge. Um, and the containment room, well, that's going to be quite small, really. You don't have to contain that much. It's 75, people, 75 families who aren't really expecting any sort of yeah. major deaths, etc. Then you watch the film Aliens. And in Aliens is the infirmary and the quarantine room. And they're quite big. Yes. I, and when I... you look at that, because that's one of the few areas in the map that you can actually identify when you... Um, when you actually watch the film. Most of it is all the sort of drab colours and corridors and rooms and that sort of stuff, and it's all pretty much of a muchness. But there are a few areas that are clearly identifiable and you can use that as a really good reference of scale. And this applies for ships as well, just understanding that even um, what you might call like a, a small a small craft, it's actually still quite large, generally speaking. You know, the, the shuttle that, that Ripley's on, obviously, in, in the films is, is a small craft, but Once you start looking at things for more than one person, uh, it's kind of hard to grasp because we don't really have that here, unless you're military and then you've got more of an idea. But I would say that certainly in, in the UK, most of us are not.
1: Yeah, and there's another danger there with film generally in that very few films are the interior set designer and the exterior model maker the same person. So they muck around with scale in a way that actually makes it difficult for us then watching it to work out what the scale of everything is. Hence the influence Dave and I had over the map. Um,
4: <laughs> well, but, I uh, digress, but this is exactly why I've, I have massive problems with, uh, with the first Star Trek motion feature film. Yes! Uh, it's shuttlecraft It's like the shuttlecraft's one person tall, and it's how big compared to the main ship? But Star Trek's not really my thing anyway, so... <laughs> Let's not it's get in really
1: that hole <laughs> which science fiction is better than the other one. Um, well, okay. it's
4: all about Firefly and Firescape and Battlestar Galactica, obviously.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, in Firefly, they made sure that the interior sets fitted the exterior model.
4: Absolutely. And they built the, the whole set, didn't And they, they
1: built so... the whole set, yeah.
4: But anyway, we anyway we're
1: digressing now. Let's talk about Firefly. No, <laughs> let's not talk about Firefly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so in terms of how you get that scale across to players, have you got any top tips about that?
4: Um, just understand before you go into it and also understanding the, the, and this is part of my third tip, actually the, the movement rules. So, um, movement rules are different to how they are in, for example, Coriolis, um, where Certainly, when you're in combat, you have a certain number of fast and, and slow actions, um, and you can do yeah. certain different things in that. And it's slightly different in Alien. I don't want to go into it in, in too much detail, other than to say, don't make the presumption that they're the same. Um, but in Alien, also you have it set out how far you can travel, um, particularly you know per per round and per turn, yes. etc. And that gives you a sense of scale, and it's something that I overlooked. It doesn't really matter when you're doing narrative play so much, unless you're tracking where the xenomorphs uh, are if they're moving, then it actually does count. Um, but it also gives you an idea of how big the map is and how long it would take to traverse one. And that to is a good point.
1: So if we move on to then your your top tip number three, we're talking about yeah. not getting. If if you know of the any any of the other free league systems, you're saying, don't assume you know how everything works in
4: yeah. Alien. Absolutely. Um, as I said, I, I've run Tales on the Loop and Coriolis, and I've actually read the quick starter for Alien twice, um, but despite doing that, the, the cinematic um, starter kit with, um, that came to pre-order backers, Yes. Um, despite doing that, I still got, in this first game, the movement rules slightly wrong and the critical hit and damage rules wrong. Because I, In my head, I was more veering towards how it's dealt with in for example coriolis and it's very different in alien
1: okay so let's just unpack that a little bit for our listeners um in coriolis uh the the hit points are different for a start so you add your two physical stats together to get the number of hit points that one has in alien you only count your strength stat as hit points
4: yeah you're squishy squishier
1: you're a lot squishier.
4: Squishy in Coriolis.
1: <laughs> to compensate for that in Coriolis. People can make critical hits happen on you as a stunt. And are you telling me that they can't do that in Alien? Is that not you? if
4: you're running the game properly?
1: Not if you're running it, so, well, and we all like to run <laughs> the game properly day. at the at the effect
4: podcast. Yeah, don't we, Dave? <laughs> yes, we
1: do. <laughs> Rules as written, Dave. Yeah,
4: absolutely. <laughs> this is where you and i agree to be fair um but you know that's because we're nice people and we like to do things by the book um yeah so in alien you don't roll on the critical hit table unless someone is broken so that's when they get their hit points down to zero until that point the stunt rules apply yeah and that's and that's across the board basically. and i'm just
1: pulling out range combat because obviously i i have all the books to hand uh so range <laughs> combat you get you in you. <laughs> uh, you can spend extra successes on pinning down your enemy which is a thing you can do in coriolis inflict yep. one point more damage read extra success which again you can do in coriolis uh yeah you can change initiative which is something that's similar in coriolis um you can make somebody – you can disarm somebody and you can push them back or, or or make them fall prone. But the added stunt that you can do in Coriolis is, as you say, depending on – it might cost more successes than just one extra one, but you, you, can, you can claim a crit and you can't do that yeah. in Alien. You can only do Absolutely. a crit in Alien when you're at zero hit points. So that's yeah, an interesting exactly. thing. If somebody's coming out of this out of something like D&D – where you have, oh, I can't remember how many. It's a long time since I last played D&D, but my last campaign I had a Barbarian with 80 or so hit points. Does that sound reasonable?
4: Um, I I don't play the the dreadful game. (laughs) Yes, that sounds reasonable.
1: And um, and, and here you're going to (laughs) be, well, on average, you're going to be two or three hit points, aren't you?
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, We had one player with with two and, and one player with four and uh, neither of them had armor. And so running in headfirst wasn't probably... Yeah, we don't give our
1: players armor, don't be ridiculous. Uh,
4: well, those doors, you know, they're almost the same. They're
1: colonists. They're colonists. They're not, yeah, not about armor.
4: Exactly. Okay. Absolutely. So you can so get, so, get yeah, the, quite easily the...
1: because you're going to run out of hit points quite easily.
4: Yeah.
1: But I guess the important thing to say yeah. is when you're down at zero hit points, you could get a crit that's like a, a bloody nose or a, a sprain or something. Yeah. It doesn't kill
4: Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Although, obviously, if uh, you get down to zero hit points and you are in engaged, which is very close range of an alien creature. Um, they're probably then, going to eat you. Yes, but they're probably going to do that anyway. Um, or or, as a or player, lick it you until you turn into an egg. To... Yeah, either's good, right?
1: well i don't know I'm just, yeah, the,
4: yeah.
1: <laughs> i've just been putting the last episode of dave's weird version where where the players are aliens and it feels a lot like non consensual sex to me but there we go um,
4: <laughs> well i thought we were just talking about making breakfast but okay <laughs> whatever works <laughs> but yeah so um also worth understanding that there are um that the tables that are available for criticals um you don't just have one table for the players, and, and that actually crosses for those animals as well. You have tables for for each of the creatures. Right.
1: But I just wanted to come back to movement because I think that you, you touched on a very important point broadly. Because um, unlike many role playing games where you might just put a monster in a room and wait for the players to turn up, in this game, you are moving the aliens secretly while they're moving them so while the players are moving around the complex so just interested at how you did that
4: um well i actually i i was very fortunate in that i was only dealing with um one passive creature at a time so i decided that they wouldn't necessarily be moving right um a very large map i'm thinking my approach and it was when your players first come into the map the uh enemy won't necessarily know they're there so it's only when you start making noise for example that, that that's you going
1: to become attract a the attention yeah that's kind of the way and we did you, it as well
4: yeah once they do start moving then i mean the, the the good way to do it potentially uh if you have a pdf you could just put a marker down um i'm using a pdf editor where you can put comments so i actually have a comment for every different alien entity that's on the map yeah. and you can just move that comment on the PDF.
1: Yeah, that's brilliant that's what i do with with my ipad as well um
4: other tablets exist, uh, yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> we, we're not the bbc we 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 can shill <laughs> to the high heavens um
4: that works, iPad.
1: <laughs> uh, right well thank you very much phil for those top tips um i think that's an excellent bit of a really practical advice for new gms is there anything else you want to say before we uh we finish this interview
4: Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> no, it's been great. Thank you for uh, inviting me.
0: Yeah, it's great to hear the uh, the thoughts, pretty much from the horse's mouth, as you said at the beginning, Matt, from a, from a GM who is who is new to GMing, and certainly, you know, in the not so distant past, was saying to us about his um, not anxiousness, but you know, maybe nervousness in in throwing himself into mm. GMing something like this. And it's 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 great to see you know nobody if they've got the right people to play with needs needs to be nervous about running a game like about GMing and it does put you on the spot a little bit you know everyone's looking to you a little bit but then in the in the game setting all the players everyone's looking to everybody else to to make the story work so um yeah I again mean, interesting to you know don't don't make any assumptions about your players level of knowledge. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, I think we've probably all done that at one point or another. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, I think, I mean, I think I've probably done that with Alien. I think I had one game at UK mm. Games Expo where we had a person who'd, I mean, he'd heard of Alien, but he'd, um, I don't think he'd seen any of the movies, <laughs> you know, but was interested to try it. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, that's a fair point. You just need to make sure that your background has got sufficient material in it and, um uh, yeah, that, that that gives gives every person a nice sort of common level of knowledge that's enough to get them into the scenario. Um, I think also, you he made a good point about getting yourself confused with other Year Zero Engine games. And I, <laughs> I think we've all done that. I think actually the only person who probably hasn't done that is you. Uh, and you just completely forgot about Armour at any point.
1: That was going to be my top tip. I thought if any, if you challenged me to say, well, you haven't done any top tips.
0: My one was going to be
1: remember the armor
0: from bitter. So yeah, experience. aliens
1: aren't quite so invulnerable. It turns out if you forget to make armor rolls for them.
0: <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, but no, great to great to hear all of that. It's um, yeah, it's brilliant. It's been um, it's been a delight.
1: I guess our next magazine episode will be reporting back on what went on at Dragon Meat. Yep. Last weekend, you ran Alien Aurora, which is your new scenario uh, set on the UPP side of the colonies. Yep. And, God, I love that scenario. <laughs> that was great. Really enjoyed it. Um, no, Great, thank you. So, we're going to have a recording of that uh, coming out at some point over the next few weeks so anyway there are three ap's coming up you'll listen to um whichever one gets edited first will be the first one you'll hear
0: yeah cool i think that's more than enough for one day don't you i think that's two hours Yep. right so on that note um it's goodbye from me and it's
1: goodbye from me
0: and may the icons bless your adventures You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.